Hello, hello, hello. We are glad you are here. Well, I'm glad you're here. I don't know why I said we. <laughs> There's no we here. It's me all by myself. So hopefully that this is working. This is my time doing it completely by myself. So let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great God of love and mercy, we ask your blessing upon us, that you would lead us and guide us and help us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we may speak your word, and only your word, that we would bring and speak what you want us to speak, Lord. We live to serve you, and we live to please you. Help us to do your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Okay, we want to welcome everybody here today. Uh, again, the best thing to do is I have some questions here that you have uh, already sent in, and we have a, a new place for questions now. It's just called Anchored in Hope at the Reason for Our Hope.org. Anchored in Hope at the Reason for Our Hope.org. Again, Anchored in Hope at the Reason for Our Hope. Org. So if you have any questions on that, you can just send them right there. Uh, if we can't, if you're not able to watch this live. Again, I started this at 3 o'clock primarily for to bring the people who I've been dealing with all these years, the last six years at this time. But people are already telling me, you know, that used to be they'd be able to listen to me on the radio while they were driving and that, and they can't do that anymore uh, because it's just on the Internet like this. And so... They're asking for other times at night on weekends. So again, if you have any suggestions, what would be the best time for you? Encourage you to send them in to Anchored in Hope at the Reason for Our Hope.org. Anchored in Hope at the Reason for Our Hope.org. And uh, then we can start compiling them and uh, looking about where we're going to go. Okay. So the best thing to do here is to ask the questions live if you're on YouTube, and that way I can see what's going on. And again, it's going to take some time to uh, for me, and I might have to go back, and so I might miss it. Somebody was on the other day, and they says, I completely skipped over their question, which I didn't do it on purpose. Sometimes I'm just trying to do 50 different things at one time, and I'm looking at questions and coming back and trying to answer them, and I might just go to a next one I see. So I never do that on purpose to skip you unless it's a, a very hot button topic that would just get me into trouble. I get in trouble all by myself, you know, so I have to always, uh, you know, after all these years doing what I'm doing, often I am taken out of context. And so they're taking a little snippet of what I said and put it out there. And boy, it makes me look bad sometimes. Well, and again, I make me look bad sometimes, but you know, it's uh, just when it's th things are taken out of context and they're put out there. So I'm always trying to make sure that uh, I don't want to, I want to, I want to always speak truth and love, but at the same time, I don't want to be taken out of context and that put all over because there's some people that live just to tear me down, you know, and it's kind of like, oh, it's good for your humility, but it's not good for your heart. So that's part of the reality. So anyway, so again, we want to thank you for coming and being with us. So let's get right into this. Okay. Um, so some of the questions that came in, how do you stay in a marriage with a non-believer who continues to hurt everyone? I do not believe in divorce and I do not love, I do, and I do love him, but he's a very mean me, very, very mean. Thank you. 
Well, first of all, hopefully, I mean, by definition, a Catholic has to be married in the Catholic Church. So if you're in a valid marriage, then you went and you went before God and you said until death do us part. At the same time, you don't want to be abused uh, and you don't want your children to be abused. So you don't have to stay in a situation where you're in danger or your children are in danger or, and that's just not physical danger, but emotional things can do in horrible damage to a person. So sometimes, though, it sounds like he's a bully. And the best way to deal with bullies, if you can, is to stick up to them. You know, again, I don't encourage this, but my mother, like my father was an alcoholic and he got really mean when he was, uh, when he was drinking. And I'll never forget my mother, who was a cop too. Both my parents were cops. My mother sat there and said to my father once, if you ever touch me or hurt me or hit me, I will kill you while you're sleeping. <laughs> you know, it's, that's my mother that said that to my father. But guess what? He never touched her. He might have done a bunch of other things, but he never touched her because he knew in the back of his head, she might kill me during the night. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it myself. But again, I'm not saying do that. Please don't do that. What I am saying is that bullies only bully people that they know they can get away with it with. Once you stick up to a bully and say something like, I do not have to put up with you talking to me that way. Every time you do talk to me that way, I am leaving or I'm taking the kids or you have to leave. But make sure that you're doing this to me. And I, you don't have enough respect for me, then you better learn to have some respect for me because I will no longer put up with this. And again, every time someone's mean to you, you walk out of the room, you walk in the car, you take a drive and say, I just will not put up with this from you anymore, period. And after a while, it's going to be self-defeating. But if he knows you're going to take it and you're going to put up with it, he will keep doing it. Okay, so again, but again, if you're in danger, get out. You know, you can be out and not live in the same place as your husband, but not be divorced. Huh? Uh, that is also another possibility. But again, you got to watch because in these, you know, when someone asks me a question like this without me knowing you or your situation, and for me to give you a three-minute answer, that's all nice and quaint, but. It's usually so much more deeper. So I'd encourage you more than anything to really talk to somebody in your area and to really find out, you know, what you can do. Because again, you don't want, and for his own salvation, you know, some people say, well, heck with him. Well, I always say we have to always be concerned, even of our people that are mean for their own salvation. But so sometimes the best thing to do is to challenge them back so you don't have to be bullied anymore. Okay. Uh, Again, with my three minute, that's the best I can do here, but I encourage you to please talk to someone else uh, about that stuff and that'll help you. Okay, so I now watch mass on the TV screen. Those who watch mass today, again, we just got these new cameras and that. Those of you who watch my daily mass and you see I wasn't on at seven. And so we put it on about 740 or so, but you couldn't watch it live. Hopefully tomorrow, all that's going to be taken care of. Tonight at seven o'clock, one of the newly ordained from our parish, Father Joe Patron is going to be speaking at the, I'll be having the mass and he will be speaking at our St. Joseph Novena. Uh, and then tomorrow, of course, our Bishop, Bishop Persico is going to be here at St. Joseph Church, my parish, uh, in the year of St. Joseph, on the Feast of St. Joseph. And so we're looking uh, uh, 
forward to that a lot. So uh, encourage it to do that, but also be patient until we get all these uh, stuff fixed. So it's going to be if again, if like one of these days that uh, you're expecting me and I'm not on, if we can't get it on that day, I'll always go back and say a mass. Now, next week, God willing, I'm supposed to be out in um, uh, Missouri City out in Houston. I'm going to be doing a parish mission. Uh, God willing, they're looking to get some tests and that done uh, at the hospital uh, tomorrow. But if everything works out fine, then I will be there next week. And uh, it's every night at 6.30 to 8.30 in Missouri City at the parish there. And I can't, you can go look on in our website and they'll tell you exactly where I'm going to be. If you're out in the Houston area, it'd be great to have you there. Um, it's t- uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then I leave back on Friday. So I won't be able to say my daily mass there for sure on Monday and for sure on Friday. I might say one Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday um, at that time. Normally, it's an hour behind us. We'll just have to see how that works out uh, when we're doing that. And I, I'll, I should be doing my podcast, but I'll be doing it from out there on my phone. So it'll be a little bit different. So uh, just to let you know. Okay. Chris, I'll go into more of the charismatics, uh, but not right now, but I will get back to that question because there's a lot of other things here that I want to go since I already answered that question a little bit. Okay. Please explain the removal of one God. Well, please, someone explain it to me. In case someone hasn't, uh, if you've been to Mass, Cardinal Sarah was the one who was behind it. Because uh, he was at that time still in charge of liturgy in in the world, for he was head of that uh, congregation, and he's been talking about it for years. In every in in the Latin, it isn't one God, and in every other English speaking country, it isn't one God. It became one God in America for various reasons. But it's not theologically correct. It is theologically correct that there is one God and three divine persons, of course, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But it can be taken out of context that Jesus is one God and not part of the Trinity. And so that is where, now, I never thought of that all the years of my priesthood, never even thought about it once, but since it's not in the Latin, what they try to do, remember with this last translation that came in, the American lectionary had to be changed, and so did the American um, sacramentary, which are our prayers. That's why I don't get why they didn't do this when they changed it the last time. But again, it was a, just a thing, especially Cardinal Sarah wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page. And so he really pushed it. And so it, and it was just like, okay, as of next week, you can't say one anymore. Now you do know that if you ever listen to me, I even have a little thing covering the one, but sometimes I still say one God <laughs> forever and ever, but we're not supposed to say it anymore. So, but I was just like, Really? But if this is what uh, the church is asking me to do, then that's what I will do. But that was the, that's the best explanation. It's not really in there with everything else. Okay. Now, a question came in, too, about spiritual direction and the cost uh, after last week's, because we talked about spiritual direction and how to get a spiritual director. And they says, well, what if I can't afford a spiritual director? I've done spiritual direction now. Uh, mostly I can only do seminarians anymore because I'm being on the road. But I've never charged a dime. I can't imagine. Now, there are some people that they, they charge. 
And, um, you know, you just got to discern that. If you can't afford it, uh, like, I have, I'm not going to say I have problems with people that charge, but, you know, like even there's Catholic speakers and they make their whole livelihood on their speaking. And I get it. But then what happens is, is like if like all these years I've been preaching, I never have a fee, you know, I said whatever, you know, whatever you can get or whatever you're paying the other ones or anything like that. Because God says um, what you have received as a gift, give as a gift. Now, again, scriptures also talk the workman is worth his wage. But there's some, I mean, there's Catholic speakers out there that ask for $10,000 a talk, $10,000 a talk. I would never, ever, 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 ever pay someone $10,000 to talk about Jesus Christ. And I would never invite anyone in my conference that would ask for that kind of astronomical money. When a person thinks that they deserve that kind of money for speaking about God, I question their humility and I question their pride. Now, people can say the same thing about me in other ways. I get it. So, but we are not into selling the gospel or selling spirituality. So there's plenty of people that you could go to priests, especially that would not charge you to be their spiritual director. Most, most every priest I know uh, doesn't charge anything to be a spiritual director. The problem, of course, is the time element with that. So, but and again, keep looking until uh, uh, you find someone that's going to care enough about you that's willing to give the gospel and help you free of charge. You know, and so. But again, if someone if that's how they live, I get how they live. I get it, but. God will always, can never be outdone in generosity. You know, that when I decide to live by the gospel of Jesus Christ, he will take care of my needs. It's just that simple. So I don't have to go around telling people, this is what you'll pay me because I have to survive on my, you know, whatever. Well, don't you trust God? And if you don't trust God, then why are you speaking? You know, so again, but I get it, but that should not be how we make our living only on the gospel of Jesus Christ in my opinion, and that's just my opinion. So <laughs> don't take me out of context. I'll get my Catholic speaker people get all over me now. And I'll, oh, and, but I've told them that too. It's just, again, I can see a little bit, uh, but some astronomical things are driving me insane. Okay, let's take one from here. Our associate pastor in his sermon last night talked about confession and said, what you accuse, Jesus will accuse you. What, what, you, what you, Jesus will excuse. What you accuse, Jesus will excuse. What you excuse, Jesus will accuse. Reminds me of something you said on discerning. Well, again, I think that we're, not, we're, we're doing too much uh, condemning of each other. And uh, like, again, when I was at a men's conference in Boise a couple, uh, about a month ago, and there was great guys up there, great bishop. I was very impressed. And it was Dr. Ray and I. And uh, when we got back in the plane, uh, we're sitting outside, and he goes, you are hard on those people. <laughs> he says, I'm usually hard on guys. That's what I do. But I sat there, and I says, uh, like when people say nasty things to me, and when I say nasty things to others, and I have done it, I'm not uh, – uh, it's easy to preach it. It's hard to – like especially if they attack you, it's hard not to go on the offense um, back. But I always tell the guys, and I told them, May God judge you the same way you judge other people, period. You know, and I said, I pray that for all you guys, that all the days of your life, that God will judge you the way you judge others. And it's just so important because we love to accuse. And I say, okay, 
But now God accuses you. And again, it comes from the word of God, right? Jesus, when he taught us the Lord's prayer, he says, forgive us as we forgive or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then right after that in Matthew's gospel, he says, if you forgive others, your heavenly father will forgive you. If you do not forgive others, neither will your father forgive you. And so I talk about this a lot. And the reason is, is because sometimes as people grow closer to the Lord, appear to grow closer to the Lord, I'll say, that they become more judgmental of everybody else. And Again, when it comes to Jesus, Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. Jesus says the measure with which you measure will be measured back to you. So again, uh, no, last year, someone come and he says, Father, the deepest, darkest places of hell have been reserved for you. May you be damned forever. And, you know, it's like, oh, thank you. And I just responded and I said, oh, thank you for your words. May Jesus Christ uh, judge you the way you just judged me. And the person responded, I, you, I have nothing compared to what you do, you know, because you just lead other people astray because I support Pope Francis. Does anybody fully understand? I am 100% supporting the Pope of the Holy Roman Catholic Church. Period, comma, end of all paragraphs. If you don't care about me supporting the Pope of the Church, you're listening to the wrong person. I took a vow of obedience. I am a priest of Jesus Christ, and I will support the person that he puts in charge. I will not judge the Pope. I will not put the Pope down. I will not question the Pope. The Pope is who God put in charge of this church. And the arrogance and the pride of people that sit there and judge him and go against him and say, I don't like him him, their judgment of God falls upon their own heads, whether they're a bishop, whether they're cardinal, whether they're priest, whether a lay person. That is not of God. It doesn't come from humility. It comes from pride. And I know a lot about pride, in case you're wondering. So it's when I do that stuff that people go most crazy with me. And it's so crazy that it's the, I can take it like someone, um, uh, they watched the, uh, the podcast last week and they got on my case about I talked against abortion and he really let me have it like, you know, yins are losing everybody in the church and everything else because of your stance, you know, your fantasy world, da, 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 who are you? I can take that from them. I have no problems. Thank you for sharing that. My problem, it, what hurts me the most is when someone who says they follow Jesus Christ, as I do, and all they do is condemn me. They don't see me doing anything good, giving my life to Jesus, my holy hour, fasting for my enemies, trying to do God's will every day, praying, no, no, I'm just evil because I support the Pope. I've had priests say that to me, email it to me. You know, what kind of priest are you? <laughs> I don't know. So it's the ones who are righteous in themselves, which is the ones that hurt me most and the ones I think God weeps over the most. So when we get closer to God, we should be people who are more loving to other people, period, because God is love. So we got to just watch when we're getting judgments, because when we do, when we accuse others, God accuses us. When we excuse others, God excuses us, exactly as that priest said. I hope that uh, answered the correction, uh, answered you correctly. They asked me to talk about we're doing a... Uh, uh, it trip to Italy, me and Sonia Corbett, and this October 11th to 22nd, it's a 12-day uh, pilgrimage, 
And if you've ever been a pilgrimage with me, we have a fine time, you know? So, I mean, we like, we just, uh, Sonia and I did one of the Holy Land last year, two years ago now. And boy, we had three buses and we just had a ball with Deacon Harold Shivers and uh, Sonia. And we just, it was great. We had a fine time. Well, Italy, we're going to go to these great places uh, too. And a lot of things are included. It's a great tour company, Select International. All you have to do is go to Select International and put Father Larry in there or just put Father Larry Richards and Google an Italy trip and it'll come up. Um, just if you're interested, it's, it's October. And again, that's if everything's okay and the pandemic's uh, on the way down, then we'll go. If, of course, if it's not, we won't go. It's just that simple. But I'm hoping that things will uh, work out. And so I'd love to have you on that trip with us. If you want to come, uh, go in for more information. Just put in Google Father Larry Richards an Italy trip and it'll bring you up to, it's also on our webpage at The Reason for Our Hope. And you just go there and you're going to find out more information there. Okay, so... Discerning God's will, take ownership of your sins and don't make excuses because Jesus won't forgive you because you really didn't do it. I say that all the time. But you just got to watch again that um, we have to absolutely uh, repent of our sins. And that means to repent of something, we have to take responsibility for it. So when you're going to confession, you don't want to make excuses for your sins. You know, like, well, yeah, but I was having a bad day because oh, you automatically made an excuse for your sin. Um we have to not do that. That's as simple as it is, because then we're not taking responsibility for ourselves, and we don't really need to repent because it really wasn't my fault. I'm already given an excuse. But again, know that God is so merciful, and God always wants to forgive you. If you come and repent, and you just say you're sorry, come on. The whole reason Jesus was born was to die for your sins. Don't you get it? God does everything in his power as God to save you. Say that again. God does everything in his power as God to save you. He's not out to get you. All these people that are screaming up and down about how God's going to come and judge us and send us all to hell. Well, do you feel good about that? We're going to send ourselves to hell by our actions, by not taking care of the poor, as we talked about last week, by not loving people. Because... If we aren't loving people, we'll hate heaven anyway. Because guess what we're going to be doing in heaven? God's going to love us, and we're going to love him, and we're going to love each other forever. Huh? We say, you're finally getting close to what it is in heaven, as I've talked about here, is when you're hoping for the person you like the least to be sitting next to you forever. Like, again, we've talked about that here on this, this very show, that uh, we need to learn to love everyone. When Jesus said, love your enemies, he wasn't kidding. He wasn't saying try. He says, do it. And so we, gotta, we just got to be loving a world that doesn't know love. We just got to do that. So encourage you to, uh, yes, take, take responsibility for your sins. Don't make excuses. You can make excuses for other people's sins. The uh, saints used to do it all the time, you know. Be harder on yourself than you are on other people. Always be harder on yourself than you are on other people. Okay. Is the single life a real vocation? You betcha. Because a vocation is what God calls you to. Now, the church traditionally puts them on religious, uh, priesthood, uh, single life, married, uh, just to put them in categories. But there's more than just those categories because... God's will is different for every person. And so if you're seeking God's will and he calls you to be single, you'll know that because you'll have peace about it. If you're single and you don't have peace, 
Well, he's probably calling you to go deeper into married life or to do something else. But if you don't like being single, then keep going until you have peace. And again, the best way to discern anything is put all your options down on different sheets of paper. Huh? Being single, going, getting married, um, being a priest, being a nun, uh, going to California to uh, find a new job, whatever your options are. And you put, you pray about those for a while and you put the good and bad in each thing. It might take you months, it might take you a week, it might take you a couple of days. God deals differently with all of us. And then you sit there and you take each of these and you bring them before the Lord uh, in front of the Adoration Chapel. It's by deal for that, but whenever you're praying and just say, Lord, I, I exist, I only want to do what you want me to do. All these things are the things that I feel that are the doors you've opened for me, uh, but I only want what you want. And then you take one and you sit with it. And if it doesn't give you peace, get rid of it. Just get rid of it. <laughs> because in his will is our peace. Then you pick another one. Does it give you peace? Well, maybe a little bit, then keep it. And then you might get down to two out of seven options and both of them give you peace or three of them give you peace. You just keep sitting with each of them. And it might, again, might take, not happen in an hour. It might take days. It might take weeks. It might take months. And then the biggest thing is if you were to drop dead today doing this, whatever these options, would you hear from God? Do you feel you'd hear from God? Well done, good and faithful servant. Is this what God created you for? And that should give you peace. Doesn't mean it'll be easy. Doesn't mean it's going to make you always joyful, but it should be, this is what I was created for. Huh? And once you have that peace, now you know you're doing God's will. Most people have never asked God what they really want of, what he wants of them. They live their life, they do what they want, and they ask God to bless it. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to seek God's will and live it. And so when that happens, now we'll have peace and we'll know it. So hopefully, again, so the question about being single, if you're at peace with it, single, a single life truly is a vocation. Of course it is. I've been single all my life. And God did that on purpose, you know. He said, we will have no more little Larrys running around. You're the last of them, Larry. And I go, yeah, I know, I know. So, but, so he did that on purpose. But the reality is that he does have a purpose for your life. And it's a specific purpose. He just doesn't create you and say, go ahead, do what you want. He creates you for a purpose for his glory that will also bring you great happiness and will give you peace. Okay. So again, encourage you to do that. Again, I have a CD that explains that, uh, that the reason for our hope, the CD is just called, uh, knowing God's will. And I have a book called surrender. The book surrender is just a book on how to discern God's will for you, what it looks like. And I just gave you a, a, a very fast summary, but it's much more detailed than that. But again, why you were created and all that kind of stuff. So that would help you if, uh, if that's something you want. Okay. Is it okay for a person to make a mass intention request for himself? Of course it is. Or the parish office look down on it. No, again, but I always tell people that the best way to pray for self is to forget about self and say, Lord, I'm offering up this for somebody else. Now, you can pray for yourself if like, uh, even if there's no one else to, 
uh, offer up masses for you, you can, but it would have to, don't do it for selfish reasons. Do it for Lord that I might be a more loving person. Do it for Lord that I might do your will. Do it for something that's going to be for the good of others, not just for yourself. And then it'll get a lot more grace there. Because again, I've talked about that God doesn't call us to even be selfish in our prayer. You know, he calls us to forget about ourselves, and then he'll take care of us. Because God knows your need and my need more than I do, and before, more than you do. He knows us and he cares for us. He loves us more than we love ourselves. And we can trust him no matter what. We can trust God because he has us in his hands and he loves us. And as long as we're surrendering our life to his will, doesn't mean it won't be hard. Jesus, when he said, thy will be done, he went to the cross. It was not easy and he struggled. We can struggle too with the will of God, but it will always bring resurrection, always. That's who God is. He is the God of life. And he will take care of you and he will take care of me when we seek his will. And so, yes, of course, you can say a mass for yourself, but make sure it's just not for selfish reasons. Okay, go over here. I'm going to be at Holy Family Church in Missouri. (laughs) That's where I'm going to be. Mary Therese just told me. Okay. Do we receive all the graces we usually do from participating in mass by watching online? Well, some people will tell you no, because you can't receive Jesus physically at that time. And to receive Jesus physically is uh, a much greater reality or why even have the sacraments. But you can still receive great grace at that time because God is in an eternal now. God is in everywhere at all times and all places. And so sometimes we... we um, Say, God can only do this. God is so much bigger than what we, what we see. God is always more. God is always more. God is always more. God is always more. We got to know that. We got to believe that. But again, just like if you're, I, my, my best example for all this goes back to any kind of relationship. You know, the spousal relationship. You can talk to your spouse on the phone. You can talk to them by email. Or you can be intimate with them um, in, in physical intimacy. Now, there should all those things are still uh, intimacy, but they're different levels of intimacy. So when you go to mask physically and you get to physically receive Jesus inside of you, that's the greatest intimacy there is. But we can still achieve, have intimacy outside when we're after watch mass online and that kind of stuff there's still a great intimacy there with jesus there's still a relationship there with jesus but there are degrees of intimacy so the mass or any of the sacraments are the highest form of intimacy with god until we get to be with god forever in heaven so all those things are true intimacy so you have graces uh and they're not for your salvation. God always cares about you and he's always doing everything for your good. You know, again, we're not uh, plagianists. We don't believe we're earning our salvation. It's all a gift of God. So he knows what kind of situations we're in and uh, he meets us there and he gives us the grace for where we are at that time, okay? But again, if you have a choice to 
uh, go to mass or watch in mass, you go to mass. You know, some people are just as, Father, I feel more intimate when I'm watching on TV. Um, doesn't matter how you feel. There's a humongous difference between feeling intimate as you're watching on an, online than receiving your Lord God and Savior in the most blessed sacrament. It's like watching, talking about food and eating food. You get more uh, nourishment if you're eating the food and just instead of talking about it, you want to be able to eat. That keeps you alive forever. So if you can get to the Eucharist, get to the Eucharist. If you can't, God will take care of your needs. But you, if you can, don't ever put God on the side. You know, that's why some people are going to bars and restaurants and they're going to work every day, but they're not going to mass. I say, you go to mass. God will take care of you. Uh, again, if you are if you can't because of your system, then you shouldn't be going those other places though either so is what i'm saying but if you can go you should go to receive jesus physically in the most blessed sacrament okay if a person has mass intention request for a living person but the person dies before the mass takes place i assume it automatically converts for mass to a deceased person and you would be correct in your assumption there you go okay the best way to pay the priest or other person back for giving spiritual direction is to take what you receive and pass it on for free. Exactly. That's a good thing, Chris. Exactly correct. Okay. It's not easy being a good Catholic. It should be easy. It's a cross. But again, once I was with a priest and he asked me if I loved the priesthood and I said, Jerry, I love the priesthood with all my heart. And he says, how can you love the priesthood? It's suffering. It's suffering. I said, if that's all priesthood is, I'd have been gone a long time ago. I just would have. I do not seek to suffer for suffering's sake. I mean, we call people things that like that kind of reality. Jesus wasn't one of those people. He said, let this cup pass by me three times. We suffer because we're in love. If you love then you're going to suffer because you're going to have to die to yourself for the other person. But it will also give you great joy. You know, those of you who are married and have children, you suffer because of your children, correct? They hurt you. You give up your life for them. You can't go and buy a humongous car or the best thing ever because you have to put that for there to feed your children. And so there might be suffering there, but there's greater, greater, greater joy so never look at, you know, being Catholic's hard. Well, yes, but any kind of love is hard. Look at the joy that comes from giving away our lives every day. Jesus, at the end of his life, says, all this I've told you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So Catholicism should be joyful. It shouldn't be just, oh, it's hard. <laughs> it's joyful. It better be. Uh, even when it's, even when it is hard, think of what you're doing. You're doing an act of love to God. You're doing an act of love for others. If we focus on ourselves, then it can be always hard because, oh, I have to pick up my cross every day. Yes, you do. But it's a cross of love, self-denial for the good of others and to do the Father's will. And you'll always get more than you. Uh, sometimes we think that if I give a lot, then I'm going to lose a lot. If you give a lot, God is even more generous with you. You can never outdo God in generosity. Never, ever, ever. Ever. You can never outgive God in generosity. Whatever you give, God will give a thousand times more to you. So, okay, 
you probably have asked this before. I often hear you say to pray and fast and bread and water for people would like to see come more holy. What about if you're on keto? I'm on keto most of the time. Uh, you don't have to do it just on bread and water. It can be one meal a day in between meals. If you can, and again, like I told you last week, bread has to be real bread, not just wonder bread. That's going to give you nourishment. The purpose of fasting, again, is to empty oneself up of self so that God can fill him with himself, fill you with himself. So fasting is about not an emptying for emptying's sake. It's an emptying to make room for something greater. And that greater is God and God is love. So again, it explodes inside of you. It brings joy inside of you. So the fasting should never make you focused on yourself. I mean, the other day I actually was, I was uh, with uh, a priest friend of mine. We went out to dinner and I go, I haven't eaten in 24 hours. And I wasn't complaining. I was like, oh, it's time to eat, you know, but I had not eaten a thing in 24 hours except Jesus in the Eucharist, you know, and so, uh, but it in no way kept me focused. I'm so hungry. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make this. It's just part of you emptying yourself so God can fill you with more of himself. Okay, so here we go. I'm very judgmental. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard me tell a story about Mother Teresa and uh, it's in her one book that I did a uh, introduction, not an introduction for, but a, uh, a reflection on whatever. I endorsed the book is what I did by Cardinal Mossberg, uh, not Cardinal, uh, Monsignor Mossberg. And he wrote this book of Mother Teresa. And he was there with her and she's talking to all the sisters one day and she says, uh, you know, the one thing I've never had to confess and they were all interested. Monsignor was very interested. Well, what would that be, Mother? What did you never have to confess your whole life? And she said, I never had to confess that I judged anyone. And they were all like, like when I read this, oh my goodness. And she says, and they says, Mother, how can you say that? You've never judged anyone? And she goes, how, and they says, uh, how do you do that? And she says, because if I judged them, I couldn't love them. And I read that and I thought, there's no hope for my salvation <laughs> because I am uh, basically judgmental. Even if I don't bring it out forth, I'm always doing it in the back of my head or in the front of my head. And I'm always like, whoa. And then I remember Jesus said, he'll judge me the way I judge others. And I'll say, Jesus, help me not to judge that person. And Mother Teresa says, if I judge them, I can't love them. Do you get how important it is for the saints and for you and me to learn to love other people? That's my greatest struggle by far. You know, for me, it's always been easy to love God. I'll pray. I'll do what you want me to do, God. Then he says, I want you to love others. And that's where it's my greatest struggle because I, I can get moody. I can get irritable. I can get, you know, I often think that uh, my judgment of others is really a fear uh, for myself of wanting to just being afraid to reach out because that'll, uh, people, you know, when we judge others, it's a way of protecting ourselves and we're afraid of getting hurt by others. But so we hurt first, you know, so that's how I judge them. So I hurt them first. So I get my first strike in. So if they come back at me, I've already got my first strike in. And that's going on subconsciously. It's not a conscious thing, but it's kind of like, whoa, uh, wow, I need to really grow more in love. And I constantly have to ask God for that grace. And so, yes, but yes, it's hard when we're judging people and I do it and maybe we all do it. But I think that the, the greatest grace is when we know that we got to stop it. 
It's when we make excuses for why we judge others. And there's so many people that always make excuses for why they judge others. There is no excuse. We can always judge actions. We can never judge people. We can always judge actions. We can never judge people. And you got to watch because often when we're judging the, I'm just judging their actions, you're actually judging something you don't know because you don't know what's in their heart. And so you say that person's evil, you know, or that person's not a good Catholic. You can't say that. You don't know what's going on in their heart. You just don't. And yet we do it all the time and we do it in God's name. And God says, you can't do that in my name. I told you not to do that. And, but, well, no, but I got, I'm just looking at their actions. Well, then talk about their actions. Don't talk about that person as a person and dismiss them. Talk about persons who do those type of actions would not be very good. But you don't say that person is not very good. Yeah, understand? So it's a, it's a, it's a thing that we all have to grow in. Me too, I'm telling you. I, you know, it's easy for me to say this. I get it. So, you know, some people sit there and listen and say, Father, you're a hypocrite. I am. That's the point. I know. Do I have to stop being a hypocrite? Yes. Do I try? Yes. Do I succeed? Sometimes. I don't know about you. Sometimes. So we have to keep going, keep getting up and keep doing better. Okay. Oh, watching from Ontario. Welcome. Watching. I don't know where that is. I ain't going to say it, though. Love your enemies. I know. Good afternoon from Iowa. Good to have you here. Single people have a lot to offer to church. You're right, Margaret. <laughs> Absolutely. They, my greatest people in the parish are not just single people, but single people because they have a freedom that they can give more themselves. Um, so anyway, here we go. Marriage, vocation, of course it's a vocation. The vocation is whatever God calls you to do. Okay, the litany of humility. The litany of humility is a great prayer if you use the fullness of the prayer. Usually people just use the part of it, not the beginning and not the end. So I encourage you to look it up, the litany of humility. But again, even though it's a litany of humility, people pridefully pray that prayer. Oh, that others may be loved and I forgotten. You know, and it's like, oh, okay. The greatest humility prayer isn't what someone else wrote about humility. It's what Jesus and Mary showed us about humility. You want to know the greatest humility prayer? Thy will be done. I just want what you want. That's what Mary said when she said, fiat, let it be done to me. That's what Jesus said when he said, your will be done. I live to do your will. That is the greatest humility. What happens is these prayers that say, oh, that others may be one and I be lost. Others may be that. It's a, it's, it's a prideful prayer. <laughs> it just is. It doesn't create humility. It creates this focus on itself that, oh, that I'm no good. I'm no good. I'm no good. When Mary was told and asked to be the mother of God, she didn't say, no, I'm no good for that. The best thing to do is go to Elizabeth. Elizabeth's so much holier than me. Or go to down the street. Do you know that other Mary? Mary is so much better. None of the false humility stuff. Your will be done. And her fiat, your will be done, um, was 
isn't like, oh, whatever God wants, he wants. That's not what we're talking about, humility like that. We're not talking about uh, an Islam, like, okay, God wills it, God wills it. No, no, no. Mary's fiat, let it be done to me, is, Lord, I want your will more than I want my next breath. I want what you want more than anything else. That's humility. That is where you will grow in holiness. When the only thing you want is what God wants. When you're not telling God, this is what you should do for me, God. Help me to desire this. God, just help me desire your will more than my next breath. You're going to grow in humility a lot because he's going to have you do things. You're going to have to go to a cross. And that's the greatest humility. As long as you're living God's will, That's as humble as you need to be. Live his will. Humility is a byproduct of love and holiness. Humility sought for itself will only become false pride. And again, my humble opinion, I guess. I don't know if that was very humble saying that, but I'm just trying to give you the best I can when it comes to that kind of stuff. Okay? So... Five weeks and go to mass. It'll be great. Uh, it's a lot of people have been getting their shots, and so we have a lot of people uh, that have been back to mass. You know, and I, I just see the doctor today, and uh, he said, "When did you get your second shot?" And I said, uh, "February 1st. And so he got to take off his mask because he got his three weeks ago, and I got to take off my mask, and it was like, ah, you know, we can breathe. Uh, you know, I got to see my mother yesterday and my stepfather, and I got to take my mother out. Uh, that was only the fifth time I saw her in a year. And it was just great to, to be with her. And so because of this, you know, life's starting again. But you have to make what you, your own decisions on that stuff. But, boy, when it's bringing us back together, that we don't have to be afraid and live in fear. And I know people don't live in fear the other way, but I've had uh, some good friends that have gone to God over uh, the coronavirus this year. And I've had to uh, bury parishioners and different things. So... And heaven's nicer than Erie PA, let me tell you. But still, we want to still only do what God wants us to do. And so if he wants us to do something, then we do it. Too many of us want to make our own decision. I'll make my own decision. Well, then, you don't say you're a disciple. A disciple does whatever the master teaches. I'll do whatever you want, Lord. So you've got to ask the Lord what he wants, not what you want. What does he want? Again, what's humility? I will be done. Oh, I'm telling you, it's the hardest prayer we pray. Okay, let's see here. Do, do, do. What's the difference? What, uh, how can I tell the difference between spiritual dryness and Acadia? There is, um, it's, uh, um, what the heck's the, the word, the other word for it? It's uh, spiritual sloth. You know, spiritual dryness is that you're still striving to do God's will uh, and you want to do God's will with all your heart, but you're dry. You know, Mother Teresa only had about five weeks of uh, spiritual closeness with Jesus in her whole life in 50 years. Uh, she went through 50 years of, like darkness, but she was there every day in her, on her knees in prayer. And the, the greatest part of that was she didn't go to Jesus for what Jesus could do for her and make her feel good. She went to Jesus out of love for him. Her whole life became an act of love, even though she was in great darkness. She still had that desire to spend time in prayer every day. Uh, Spiritual 
uh, laziness is what the word is. Spiritual laziness is not, I I don't have time to pray today, or, oh, no, I'm going to go do something else, or, oh, I don't want to grow in the spiritual life, or, oh, you know, so it's, again, a focus on themselves and not wanting to do anything. I'm just, you know, I don't care. You know, so many people in the church today are there. You know, they want to do the least. Like, I just did a parish mission last week, and we would have, like, of of a whole church, we had 70 people, 77 people. I think the greatest night was 85 people. And 60% of those people were from my parish. So a lot of people were just like, oh, no, I can't be bothered. You know, if I'm doing the mission next week, or I can't be bothered. You know, I got other things to do. So it's a focus of it's spiritually lazy to grow in the spiritual life. You know, so that's what it is. But dryness is, oh, I'm still doing everything I can. I'm still saying a rosary, though I don't get anything out of it. I'm still doing a holy hour, though I'm not getting anything out of it. I'm doing that spiritual dryness, but you're still doing it. It's when you stop doing those things, and I don't really care that it comes to spiritual laziness, and that can be a great sin. Okay, hopefully that answers your question for you. Should those who support politicians like Joe Biden be excommunicated? Excommunication, again, it's so much different that you bring it upon yourself. Like if you have an abortion, you get excommunicated. If you know that if you have an abortion, you get excommunicated. You know, uh, ignorance of the law is an excuse in the Catholic Church. God brings his own judgment on people, like I talked about last week. Nobody gets away with anything. So, like sometimes I'm saying... We have to stop abortion, as we talked about last week. But again, Joe Biden's going to do what Joe Biden's going to do. And I'm not going to sit there and worry about it. There's too many people that are constant. We're always bringing scandal and all these things. And I get it. Go for it. You can say that. But I'm just saying, if we're busy doing God's will, we don't have time to go around judging everybody else who who's in God's will, who's not in God's will. Because though he is uh, pro-abortion and he shouldn't be receiving communion objectively, there are people that are missing mass on Sunday that are going to communion. It shouldn't be. There are people that are looking at porn that are going to mass. It shouldn't be. There's all kinds of things that they shouldn't be receiving communion. There's all kinds of stuff if you want to go there that we all have things. And so, but when we do excommunication, it's a, it's a, why? do we do excommunication? Do you you even know? It's to help people to get back in right with God. That if you know that you're separated from God, then you should want to be right with God. Again, when someone receives communion, not in a state of grace, purposely, whether you're pro-abortion, whether you're in mortal sin for whatever the thing, getting drunk on purpose, having sex outside of marriage, looking at porn, um, missing mass on Sunday, committing adultery, fill in the blank. If you receive communion unworthily without a repentant heart, it says in 1 Corinthians, you bring judgment upon yourself. So that's why that I've, if, again, I've talked about this here before. If someone comes up and they receive communion, okay, I've already warned you, if you receive communion, you can bring judgment on yourself. And that's why it says in uh, 1 Corinthians that some of you are sick and so many of you are dying. Because the bread of life can become the bread of death. So we tell people they can't go to communion if they're not, if their will and God's will is not the same because it could kill them. So why would I waste my time constantly? Everybody else, everybody's on the bandwagon, right? About, oh yes, he should be excommunicated and screaming and yelling and carrying on. Well, Okay, we all agree with that. Why waste your time and energy on these things? Why not go out and do more things for God? God will judge Joe Biden 
the way God will. He can bring judgment upon him, and he will stand before God on judgment. God will deal with that. I'm not the judge of him. You're not the judge of him. God is the judge of him. So after we've said it once, let it go. We, we tell people for their salvation, but to constantly, I mean, I don't, I, I post on Facebook and everything every morning and every night, but I don't read anything, nothing. Why? Because people are so nasty and they're just continuing. That's the way the church is. And you know, the church is so bad and this one's bad and we let anyone. And the guy that told everybody he's going to hell, he's the only priest that has any kind of guts. Really? Is that what it is? The more we tell people how evil they are, the more guts we have, huh? As long as I don't tell you you're evil because you're judging other people. No, that has nothing to do with that, Father. It does. We got to judge actions, not people, again, as we come through here. But God's going to take care of Biden all by himself. And you know what? He doesn't need me to do it. God will do it all by himself. He'll use the church. The church has already spoken to this man and told him, what the teaching of the church is. Now judgment will come upon him. I don't have to rejoice in that judgment. I don't have to wish that judgment. What I do want is what God wants. And what does God want? God wants Joe Biden to be saved and come to the knowledge of his truth. That's what God wants. That's on his heart. So how will that happen? I can help that to happen with my prayer and fasting. I can help that to happen if I had a dialogue with him. If I was his bishop, I would call him in and say, we need to talk. But putting it on the Facebook, yelling and screaming to everybody else, because everybody knows this is where you stand. Okay, let it go. You have made your peace. You have said what you need, because again, the scriptures are clear that if we see someone sinning, we don't say anything, their sin can become ours. But it doesn't mean we have to keep saying things again and again. It doesn't mean we have to keep screaming and yelling. Say it once and let it go. Let God be the God and God be the judge. We're not to do that according to God himself, okay? So hopefully that helps. Again, um, People want me to be screaming and yelling. I can do that. Well, trust me. Look up some of my old stuff. I can be horrible. Uh, but in my, my walk with the Lord, that's not where he's calling me to anymore. It just isn't. So, okay. How do you know when the Lord is speaking to you when you're reading scripture during prayer? Because he'll give you peace. Like I always call it God's divine two by four in the head. You know, so uh, like this morning uh, when I went to scripture, he came to me and uh, says uh, in one Philippians, uh, chapter, I mean, Philippians chapter one, I think it was verse nine. It says, he who began the good work in you will bring it through to completion unto the day of Christ Jesus. And that was a very hopeful verse for me this morning, that God has begun a good work in me and it's he who will bring it to completion, not me. It's all in his hands. And so the whole day I've had, I've had some issues today. I had to go see a doctor or some stuff that could be very seriously wrong with me. And if that happens, the Lord this morning told me he is the one who's in charge and he is the one who will bring everything uh, to completion. And I can trust in him in the midst of all these things. And so that's a good thing. 
you know, so uh, it's what gives you peace. So you keep reading until God takes a two by four, whacks you over the head, but that means he's giving you peace. It just strikes you in your heart that this is what you need to hear for today. And then you can write it down if you don't know it or put it in your journal and that'll help you. But that's uh, the way I've always done it and the way I've always taught people how to do it. Okay. Do, 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 Be a Man is Father Larry's excellent book. Well, thank you, Jade. It's, uh, it's getting to be an old book. I said I should, it should be updated by now, but I think that uh, uh, the people that put it out, I don't know if they, they like me much anymore because I'm a big, uh, again, supporter of the Pope. And some people think, again, because I am that, I'm getting soft, and I'm, I assure you I am not. But I would love to update that book one of these days because it needs updated. Um, before communion, when we say, Lord, uh, I am not worthy, but say the word, what are they referring to? It comes from the scripture. Remember in the scripture, the centurion came and his uh, uh, servant was sick. And he says, and so Jesus goes to, he's going to go into the centurion's house. And he says, no, no, no. Lord, I'm unworthy that you are to come into my house or come under my roof. But just say the word and I shall be healed. And Jesus said, I have not seen so much faith in all of Israel. Isn't that something? That that's what God says? Because he's saying, I'm not worthy for you to come in, but I believe that if you say the word, that's an act of faith, he'll be healed. So that's the same thing. That before we receive Jesus under our roof or into our heart, Lord, I'm not worthy that you come in, but I ask you to say the word so I can be healed. And then when Jesus comes into my heart, and your heart at communion. It's a healed heart. So it's a time of repentance, it's a time of humility, and it's a time of great faith and trust. And those two things should always go together, humility and faith. Faith is also part of we trust. That when, Lord, I'm not worthy of you, and yet, wow, you love me so much, but I believe that though I'm unworthy of you, you can make me worthy, Though I'm unworthy of you, you can make me whole. Though I'm unworthy of you, you can heal me. You can heal the people in my life. It's not we come before God and say, God, you owe me. He doesn't owe owe us anything. But he loves us. And when we come before him seeking him, seeking his truth, seeking his will, in humility and love, he'll take care of us. So those two things go together, humility and faith. And miracles happen when humility and faith come together. Great miracles happen. So you don't have to worry. Okay? I got to get out of here. I got to go see my shrink. (laughs) So uh, I have to leave early because we have all this stuff going on today. So I'm, again, just so grateful that uh, you spent this time with me. Uh, again, we're working on, I'm going to have Dr. Ray, as I told you, he's going to be our first guest in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be after Easter when we get all this stuff together. Uh, but look forward to that. If you don't know Dr. Ray, we're going to have a fine time. The two of us pick on each other a lot uh, as we're seeking truth together. So again, I just ask you to please pray for me, please. And I know that I pray, I pray for you every day. I do twice a day. I pray for you and I just ask you to pray for me. Okay. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Sorry about that. God bless you. We'll see you next week. God willing.